Man, I'm I'm feeling like this is a good day. What is this? Monday? I don't even know. What whatever day it is. How you guys doing? This is V, aka Vernon English, and I'm like, I feel like I don't even know what this is. Uh, the Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds podcast. I do know, and basically to explain something to someone, one has to verse it, and this is basically that podcast. <laughs> but a nerd explaining it, so no mansplaining, just basically explaining a perspective from a writer's room, if you will. And you can catch me on Amazon.com, catch me on Spotify, catch me on iCloud, Apple, and Amazon.com. And thank you to the listeners, truly, and thank you guys. Like, you rock and are amazing. I appreciate it so much. And I'm just thankful that I have my listeners and they vibe out on what it is that I have to say, which is insane at all times. But um, this was just a, a perspective of, you know, how and what it was that I'm experiencing from just what I'm, I'm like on a daily basis, inspirations, right? And so I was explaining to someone how they inspire me. And it's truly uh, an amazing thing to, to look at something uh, without judgment. And the instantaneous thing about being an adult is having a sense of judgment because that's about being an adult, I guess. But it never made sense to me why you, you would keep said thing in your head when it's constantly changing. Like, it, that never made sense, right? When I think of, um, you know, writing and, and coming up with content and how and what people are gravitated towards and the things that they process um, in all of it because they are geniuses. Um, literally, they are the ones that are manning all of these instruments and computers and all of these things. And they are the co-creators of this said experience. And I love the, the rhetoric and the dialogue that they have to say. I was commenting on this on the last podcast and I thought it was funny because a lot of writers are very, <laughs> well, I'll just say personal and they have their own way of expressing themselves and it comes with notoriety where obviously personalities come to fruition and other personalities are expressed. And others are, you know, repressed and, you know, people are very introspective in how uh, they choose to think of their creative endeavors. Meaning as in, hey, what's your next project? Hey, don't ask me about my next project, man. Like, none of that. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty much the antithesis of that by expressing how my writing process is different, but that it isn't necessarily quintessentially the writing process. Uh, every writer has their own way of doing so and their own way of inspiring themselves. And so when you think of it that way, you have to think of yourself in a ginger aspect. You have to take off the gloves off of yourself and essentially write what it is that you want to create. A note, uh, a denotation, uh, anything in your, text messages, in your messages on your phone, on the memos, in a notepad, uh, in a real notepad, on a sticky note, something of substance that makes sense to you. 
And essentially, I love how everyone, even from a young age, knows what it is that they like. Like, even in stories, they're like, yo, hey, tell me that story again about that cornbread man and um, the string bean lady. Tell me that story. You feel me? Like, it, <laughs> people have that aspect of bringing these things and memories and envisioning them in their own way without prompting. You can have a visual for them, but the prompting of the mind and forcing them to use their imagination, I find, uh, creates a different experience also with visuals and audio also creates a different experience. So that's just to say, hey, anybody in the LA area you want to uh, link up and record, hey, y'all let me know, I'm serious, I will send sound bites back uh it may or may not have me smoking weed on them but please those are sound bites you have to keep those and just edit them into the pieces please do speaking of i also like to express and tell people that when you're writing there's so many different things that you know you can comment on you can accentuate a character you can create it's so multifaceted it's so varied it's so individualistic and to experience something is one way of looking into it but also to vicariously place themselves into these settings that doesn't make them autobiographical and that also is of a challenge, but is a gift. And so if you can place yourself in a futuristic place or identify with the character and see the things that they see, then I find that as some benefit uh, to continue your craft and to work at that and, and to go through the things that are, and make work, <laughs> not make work of it, but that, that work for that person. And, and that person individually knows what they like to go and talk about. And, and it's a dialogue. It's a, a way of describing something. And everyone describes certain things differently uh, around the world. And even when storytelling, they have a different way of expressing self and a different way of uh, extrapolating and, and breaking down a situation so that somebody else identifies with it, even myself. And, and I love this, and I'm thinking of the next story that I'm including for my fourth book and, and how I want to tie it all in, and I know exactly what I'll do. And, and this is really a, a fun process, though, because a lot of writers scoff at it, and a lot of writers don't like it. They love the finished product. They love talking about the finished product. They love the finished product. Like, <laughs> it's very a, a business aspect of it. But to the writer, uh, or essentially a creator, um, there are simple joys from the subtle nuances that occur from the writing process. And what I mean by that is if a nuance is, is explaining something to someone that may or may not understand what it is that you're explaining, and, and to make it make sense, but not force them to do so. That is a, a nuance that certain writers have to express. They have to storyboard, they have to break down a character analysis and break down why uh, someone would make a set decision in a scenario. 
if someone doesn't believe that they would make a decision like that in that said scenario. To me, um, I find those as joys because when you're breaking something down, uh, I'm essentially explaining why these characters uh, look a certain way. Now, a prime example of this would be um, a characters from the fourth book that I'll include. And this generally like character is ginormous, like well over nine feet tall, a bald head black guy. And, and that guy, I mean, is essentially what I consider like taller than the stature of a basketball player. And obviously if someone was to see, they would like think of fear in their mind of a giant black guy but it's not so uh, commandeering. He more looks like a warrior or someone uh, well-trained, obviously a broad shoulders. And the inspiration behind it was so many other different things that I was watching at the time. Uh, you could think of that one old show, um, I forgot on like, I think it was Spartacus or something like this and other like uh, gladiator, great, great stories of uh, just these men who uh, were warriors but uh, displaced and I essentially wanted him to reflect not only his past which I left in mystery but I wanted him to move uh, completely different than uh, previously thought of possible of someone of his stature and, and I wanted him to be light on feet almost like a football player and, and to how he interacted with uh, his environment and uh, the essentially first place that and and I think it was one of the first times I explaining uh, where he was inspired from. And I believe I named uh, another character in the first book by the name of Onyx. But this one in particular, I just named him uh, the guardian to uh, this young girl. And uh, the guardian basically uh, showcased that. And he wasn't like uh, mean, he wasn't, you know, uh, a very loud character. In fact, it was the, the complete opposite in describing him, and he was quite silent, and uh, almost to the point of one thinking of him as a mute. But I never wanted that to be the case either. I, I just wanted him in the story and how it worked out uh, from progressing from the other characters, from him to be that way, and him only, you know, even non-verbally uh, communicating with this uh, psychic or telepathic girl. Now, all of those instances are inferred uh, if one could read from my book. Like, you have to uh, almost read between the lines and, and think of it that way because I wrote it in a confusing fashion. But that's essentially what I was aiming at uh, when describing it, and I wanted it to be uh, a wholesome but quite tumultuous story, almost not. Uh, what's that one show? <laughs> Little House on the Prairie or something like this? Like, nah, none of that with the eggs and bacon. Like, I wanted it to be a, a different type of aspect that he he communicated with for my other characters. So that that's just one of the, the things that I wanted to make of comment in the live writing that I do and why I call these writer's rooms. Uh, to be a writer, and I only speak of this just because I published three books, and these are self-published, and a writer obviously would scoff at reading my work or an editor from the sheer obscurity of typos. The other aspect of, you know, thinking of how I write, and then intrinsically, I, I 
pepper it in and layer it in for other writers to give a head nod if they're thinking of it in an obscure abstract way i essentially want to think of or take a writer's aspect and take a reader's aspect and place it into a whole nother realm and another box of how they are thinking and to do so i have to like quote unquote unlearn and have them in real time unlearn what it was that they they thought of in a society or what storytelling essentially could be and that's the fun part because that's that's like including a piece of life and a slice of life but not telling someone that's a slice of life and then just calling it a story and you never want to be so preachy. You never want to be like, oh, well, that's kind of a cool way to express that feeling. Like, nah. <laughs> that, that's what soap operas are for. And that's what other stories are for, which, hey, hey, uh, General Hospital and all of these other great uh, soap operas, um, one, one, I think it's One Life to Live or something like that. I think they've been going on forever and I never want to make shots at anyone for their creative aspects. That Those stories are actually, um, I don't know, I haven't really paid attention to them. But the ladies who babysit me when I was real younger, when I was like in, in preschool, they liked them. <laughs> to comment and, and not to go off on tangents, it's just a story where I, I like including it into a, a story that continues and so it, to for never-ending story to exist and for it never to repeat itself one has to think of that aspect in every story that is being told by default and, and the the thing is if one is thinking of it that way you never want to place yourself in that box and, and then intrinsically think of uh, a limit or think of a ceiling one has to think of the impossible and think of something that you know it can't even be correlated to a time frame or a time period or a lifetime for that matter if one is to think of it in a limitless aspect that way and i'm pretty much the crazy guy to think of myself as to tapping into that and telling a varied amount of stories from a multi-background and, you know, having that just being the base of where all stories begin. No story is the same. No story has the same message. No story has the same sense of, or characters. They are all essentially different. The time is different. The timing is different. What they say is different. Everything that happens, hey, quite possibly could be just different. And, and the thing that makes classic stories or the things that make uh, something that people remember is something that impacts them, something powerful, something that moves them to understanding how uh, uh, depthful uh, human emotions can be and how fur further uh, they can express their own emotions. But seeing someone, you know, as a child and, and then seeing someone at the height of something and then expressing that and expressing love or expressing. Uh, anger or expressing excitement those are things that I didn't see as a kid or on a daily basis like <laughs> <clears throat> you, know, you know like looking into 
you know, game against Island or something like this, and thinking of the impossibility of somebody just being stranded on the island with beautiful women, like, I, I don't understand the, the importance of the fantasy, excuse me, fantasy of <laughs> the adults at the time, but I saw the benefit of the, the aesthetics that, you know, someone could think of it that way and not think of it in the most horrible situation in life and then make a TV series from it. And it's just me from being my honest self uh, talking about like programs and different worlds that people versed and the things that they were interested in. And it didn't necessarily mean that something wasn't important if it didn't interest me. It just meant that I was interested in something else. And I always attribute uh, you know, the character analysis and how I design characters that way. And so the girl that was with the Guardian for um, the second book and what I'm including in the fourth book um, matched uh, this giant, like, man uh, or Guardian aspect uh, by being the complete antithesis of it. And all not to be dainty or not to be, you know, uh, of a soft nature. She was basically uh, a young girl, um, probably nine or ten, but then too, um, surrounded by all bandits, surrounded by refugees, surrounded by all of these people who have forgotten their memories. And so in the fourth book, it's a different um, period after uh, the second book. So it's a time lapse. And I have this period where uh, the guardian uh, loses track as to where the girl is from this confusion that happens in this, the second slash first book. And so I, I'll just uh, comment on that and then make a, a whole little tie-in series with the Green King and the little litigator and how they link up and then they go and meander off. But yeah, yeah, be looking for that in the fourth book series. I'll let you know when it's published. You can buy it. You do stuff and tell someone about it. So that's pretty much it. Uh, thank you guys so much. I'll have more. And peace.